Please be advised, all music tracks used in this production are sole property of Kelson Communications and are original compositions. Thank you. The following program is being brought to you by Anchor.fm.com, the number one podcast hosting platform. Hi, this is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. I'm the host of the Kelson on the Air social work podcast, heard and hosted right here on Anchor FM, and I love it. Try it and you'll love it too. And here's why. First, you get an RSS feed, which is absolutely critical for distribution of your podcast. Your show will be distributed and heard on seven additional podcast platforms besides Anchor. Platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and much, much more. And get this, they even offer analytics so that you can see how well your podcast is doing. And as if that weren't enough, they also give you a breakdown of what each chart or graph means. In addition to that, when you host your podcast on Anchor, you get international exposure. That's right. Your podcast is heard in different countries around the globe. And just so you know that they're really in your corner, they provide you with info about sponsorship opportunities as well. So for secure services for your podcast, make sure to use your Anchor Podcasting Services. To everyone tuning in, welcome. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate. You're listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast, the program that promotes, celebrates, uplifts, and highlights the social work profession. This podcast aims to educate the general public to the vital contributions professional social workers make in every aspect of society every day. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special show lined up. We're going to be introducing to all our listeners the Urban Social Work Journal. And this is a journal that I just found out about recently. Um, I understand it's an award-winning journal, and we're going to hear about that. Um, And we have three of the four co-editors and the co-founders of this journal. Um, And once I bring them on, they can give us a little more history about the actual journal. So I'm going to introduce them and start with a little brief bio of all of them. And then we're going to start the conversation. So first we have... Dr. Brenda Williams-Gray. She has a doctorate in social work, a DSW. She's an associate professor and the undergraduate program director at Lehman College, CUNY, in the social work department, where she teaches in both the undergraduate and master's program. Courses include practice, HBSE, and we'll have her explain that, youth and behavioral health, supervision and administration. Dr. Williams-Gray has 25 years of clinical supervisory and leadership experience in the social services agencies, including working with children and families with emotional and behavior challenges. Her research interests and expertise are in the areas of trauma and resiliency, culturally diversity, organizational capacity, and social work education and leadership. She is a co-editor-in-chief of the Journal for Urban Social Work. Welcome to the show, Dr. Williams-Gray. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Yes. Next, we have Dr. Donna Burdnell-Wilson. She has her PhD, and she is also a licensed clinical social worker, and she is an assistant professor in the BSW Department of Morgan State University School of Social Work, and also she teaches social welfare policy and social work research. 
She serves as co-editor-in-chief of the award-winning Urban Social Work Journal, a collaborative effort between Morgan State University and Lehman College. Dr. Wilson previously served as the Director of Student Affairs and Admissions for the Morgan State University School of Social Work and spent 16 years in leadership at the Child Welfare League of America, most recently as Vice President of the Professional Development of and Publications. Dr. Wilson received her Ph.D. in Social Work from the Morgan State University School of Social Work and her MSW from the University of Maryland and her BSW from Ohio University. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wilson. Thank you so much, Mr. Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And then we have Dr. Carl Mazza. He has his doctorate in social work, and he is professor and chair of the social work programs of Lehman College of the City University of New York. He's the author of Fatherhood in America, Social Work Perspectives in a Changing World. He has published on various issues regarding criminal and juvenile justice. Dr. Mazza has worked in the fields of child welfare and criminal and juvenile justice. He has taught and led therapy groups in maximum security prisons for almost 40 years. He also works with families of incarcerated people. He has a unique specialty in providing counseling service to exonerated people. Dr. Mazza is recipient of the Lehman College Teacher of the Year and the Lifetime Achievement recipient from the National Association of Social Workers, that's the NASW, and he's also one of the co-editors-in-chief for the Urban Social Work Journal. Welcome to the show also, Dr. Mazza. Thank you very much. Okay, so first I want to start out by saying I'm very excited to have you all on the show and even more so excited for you to tell our listeners about the Urban Social Work Journal. And again, I had not heard about this journal until recently when I was introduced to um, Dr. Williams Gray by a very dear friend and social work colleague and mentor of mine. And I want to give her a special mention, Mrs. Lois Logan. Um, she's an LCSW, very dear friend of mine and a close colleague. She had told me about you, Dr. Williams Gray, and that you had this journal that you published. And I thought it was a great idea to have you on the show. And then it was even more interesting to find out that there were four co-editors. Now, I know we have three of you here, and, and I know there is a fourth co-editor. So I'm going to start with you, Dr. Williams. And first and foremost, please identify your uh, co-editor who couldn't be here. And then please start out by telling our listeners a little bit about the originations of the Urban Social Work Journal. So I'll direct the question first to you, Dr. Williams Gray, and then I'll move on to our other guest. Okay, I'm, I'm going to start with part of your question, and hopefully uh, my colleagues will pick up the rest of it. Our journal is actually entering its fifth year, and we're very proud of that. And we are a collaboration of Lehman College, Morgan State University, and our fourth co-editor-in-chief and is, is actually in Hawaii. And we developed this journal in part because there is no peer-reviewed journal in social work that focuses on urban issues and the geography of urban settings. And we, both of our universities separately, were thinking about this idea, and we were at the uh, CSWE conference and began approaching publishers who said, oh, we just met some colleagues of yours from Morgan State who are talking about the same thing. And the truth is, when I was publishing on issues of race and critical race theory and, and issues that were affecting urban populations, 
many of the reviews from other journals would make comments that, how did you find such a diverse population? And I realized that for many um, researchers, there was not an emphasis on people of color being not only clients, but being providers of service. In fact, because they weren't in tune to the dynamics and changes in urban populations. So we thought that that need was a gap in our field okay. and began to work together and with uh, the Community Trust of New York to help fund us and to connect us with Springer. And I'm going to ask maybe uh, Professor Wilson or Professor Mazza to pick up from where I left off. Okay. Well, thank you for giving us that uh, introductory explanation. And yes, um, I'd love to hear some other input from, uh, and I'll start with you, Dr. Mazza, and give your insight into, you know, how you got connected with this whole idea of this outstanding journal. Thank you. Um, I have lived and practiced in New York my whole life. Uh, And... There are things in the urban community that I think gets underplayed very, very often, even within social work. Uh, Our school at Lehman College works with, not works with, has students um, all living in the urban environment, and are an important segment of social work that you don't often see. Um, all three of us, actually all four of us, review manuscripts for other journals. And the last two manuscripts that I read for another journal, the sample population was social work students. And both of them were very similar in terms of the fact that the subjects in the sample or about 50 MSW students. Um, And the researchers in describing their sample um, actually said of the 50 subject matters, uh, subject people, 49 were white and all 50 were female. Mm. Um, That's, that's a, such uh, a proportion of social workers, but that's not all social work. Mm-hmm. And where are the other voices? Where are the other students? Um, and I think one of the missions of Urban Social Work, our journal, is to bring those other voices in. Not to not have those um, 49 white female voices in there, because that's certainly a major part of social work. But to have other voices, to have voices of people of color, to have people, um, men, to have transgender, to have LGBT, um, that's all part of the social work community, because that's who we serve as social workers. Yes, ac- excellent point, excellent point, and, uh, and I agree with that 100%, and thank you for sharing that insight. Uh, Dr. Wilson, what, 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 in your opinion, uh, was the motivating factor that has allowed this journal to start uh, enjoying so much success? 
Thank you uh, for that, because that's just where I was headed. <laughs> um, awesome. I love it. Love it. That's called, our, sy- it's um, called synchronicity. <laughs> our, our fourth editor-in-chief uh, is Dr. Vakalahi, um, Halavalu Vakalahi. And she, when we started, she and I were both at Morgan State University, which is an HBCU in Baltimore City. And our whole social work program, we have uh, undergrad, a master's, and a PhD program in social work. It is all an urban social work-focused program because we wanted to uh, make sure that the uh, social workers that we were preparing were um, able to serve competently in a you know in a diverse place, and you know with people of diverse cultures, um, all of that. When we started talking about the idea of putting together a scholarly journal, we wanted to focus on the strengths of city, strengths of families, the strengths of black families, the strengths of all families of color and all families of different cultures. So many of the the ways that the young people, the families, the adults, the older adults are depicted in the scholarly literature historically has been uh, very deficit-based. You know, these are the problems and these are um, the challenges and these are the barriers. When what we wanted to do was focus on, you know, building upon the very real strengths that communities have, that um, families have, that individuals have. So uh, when we when we were at that CSWE conference that Dr. Williams Gray mentioned, talking to Springer Publications and it co- connected us with Dr. Mesa and Dr. Williams Gray, we clicked right away because we we shared that perspective that we really wanted to highlight where we are um, in a strength-based way, but also where we can go and um, how our contributions as social workers now and emerging social workers that we're teaching and training, you know, can really help to uplift urban community. Mm. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, now, my, my next question is, and, and I, I'm going to direct this to all three of you, and I'll ask you to start, um, Dr. Mazza. How have uh, social work students and, and training social workers, uh, how have they uh, reacted and responded to the journal? And what, what has been some of your experiences with the way students have reacted to learning about the journal and how they've used it and incorporated it into their learning and their training? Starting with you, Dr. Mazza. Well, um, first of all, obviously, our libraries carry the journal um, and in their research for their research papers, uh, they often look into our journal for, for ways of referencing the papers that they're writing about. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I think is perhaps more important and something that we're all very proud of is the journal has a mixture of authors who are very, very well established in social work and have been around for a long time. But it also has graduate students doctoral students, collaborations between social workers who have published greatly and people just starting out. And we think we're very proud of that. We think that's what the journal should be about. It should be partially the old God who's been around while we nurture 
younger people, of the people who are going to come after us. All right. Thank you for that. And your, your experience with that, uh, Dr. Williams Gray, uh, the impact on students and how they reacted, responded, and uh, used the journal. Absolutely. So we were always encouraging students to pay attention to how knowledge is developed mm-hmm. and what voices are developing knowledge and to question what people know and to include their voices in the research and in the practice wisdom. And so in, in many of the classes, students are looking at the articles written by others in the journal and finding out that a service that's in California matches a need that's in their agency or a research project about homeless youth may have some reference to what's going on in their setting. So they're using the journal as part of their critical inquiry about knowledge. And the really, I think, fabulous part of that, which we can't say enough, is the diversity of voice across different fields of practice and and across the country. So I, I, I'm always nervous that people think urban is code word for, mm. for you know, downtrodden folks. And, and we have, as, as my colleagues have said, really highlighted strengths, successes, and resiliency and looked at challenges in ways to encourage changes in the field. So students are using the content from the journal uh, in, in their studies and, and guiding their practice Thank knowledge. You. Thank you. Right, Dr. Wilson, uh, Dr. Williams Gray just mentioned, you know, in the journal, you know, articles that pointed to strengths. With this being titled the Urban Social Work Journal, how do the students that are non-BIPOC reacted to some of the stories about the strengths and resiliencies that are highlighted in the journal? Because, you know, in many instances, what we find is that the narrative is usually portrayed somewhat negatively when it comes to the concept of people who are in need of social services and who and what they look like. So from your standpoint and your experience at Morgan State, how was the reaction from the students? How's the reaction from students? I think that the students, we're seeing a really valuable, I think, upsurge in interest in advocacy and students really wanting to get involved in ways that will positively change a social service system that is not perfect Mm -hmm. in many ways has had a history that is oppressive to, um, to urban populations. And so wanting to get involved as advocates, you know, social workers and advocates, I think that, that the articles that they're reading in the journal are helping them to see um, how uh, some of their um, leaders in the field, some of the academicians um, have used, we say that writing is social justice. And one of the things that we've been purposeful about for authors to submit is that we're not only um, seeking research articles and articles from university professors, we're also seeking articles from professionals in the field who are practicing in different areas of social work, clinical social work, um, administration, policy. And so they're having an opportunity to see a a, a comprehensive kind of array of ways that um, social workers can make a positive impact on urban communities. More of our faculty joining with students and um, collaborating on, on articles. Thank you. Thank you for that. What I wanted to also 
take a moment to do is I wanted you all to talk about the award that the journal won on the 2018 Prose Award. So tell our listeners a little bit about the award. What was the criteria and your reaction when you found out that your journal was chosen for a prestigious award is this? And I'll start with you, Dr. Wilson. Sure. Well, um, Springer Publishing Company submitted um, urban social work for consideration for this award. And it's the Association of American Publishers that considers many journals. How many were considered? You know, I don't remember the number, but it, I remember being well, impressed. You hear it is. Book journals and, and e-products were considered for, uh, for this kind of recognition. So uh, for us to win, um, you know, runner-up for Best New Journal in Social Sciences was such an honor. We were ecstatic, <laughs> ecstatic. You know, I have it, uh, you know, framed and on the outside of my office door. In my Absolutely. <laughs> they called it an honorable mention, and, and I remember that the public, uh, Springer Publishers was really impressed that a journal so new was mm-hmm. considered. Yes. And, and that was really kudos, I think, to the breadth and the scope of the different articles and the fact that we were consistently producing the journal as, as, as scheduled because some get started but don't keep moving. And I think it's a badge of honor because it speaks to a real need in the field that this journal is actually um, meeting for, for researchers and for practitioners and for students. Yes, yes. And you mentioned a, a real need in the field. That's uh, really important. And it kind of leads me to uh, my next question for all of you. And I'll, you know, start out with uh, Dr. Maza. Your colleagues, your colleagues in the social work profession, how did they respond to the fact that this was a journal that was pre- presenting a different viewpoint than is normally presented? And the social work profession has been, and especially in the last year when we, we've had all the, uh, the, the the social unrest and the, you know, the protests. And, uh, you know, right now, the NASW, you know, so certainly in a New York state chapter, you know, they, they're doing a, a total relook of the whole social work profession and what role that it has played in some of the oppressive and the racist tendencies, you know, we'll call it like it is, that were constantly perpetrated through the way that the profession was taught to students. So how did your colleagues, in your opinion, who are non-BIPOC, respond to the journal and the opinions that were included in it? I think, um, first of all, like the four of us ourselves, when we first started the journal, we were shocked that there was no journal in the United States, in the entire country, that specialized in urban social work. So that's a gap that's always existed. And decolonizing curriculum is an ardent task. It is very difficult. We teach very often what we know. And when you decolonize something, you then have to question what you know. Mm. And That can be very, very threatening and very scary. Some of the articles in our journal reflect how difficult this is, but also how needed this is, of how some 
social work programs admissions um, requirements have to be looked again of who we accept in school. If I, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to piggyback on that. Sure. We're, we're in a time where we're looking at how are we taking an anti-racist approach to how we're dealing with our profession. And as you said, our history doesn't reflect that that was always the thinking. And so the fact that we have articles about microaggressions, that we have articles of leaders in academia and, and in agencies who walk through what it, what it means to be in their position with and without privilege and the challenges that they've had and the successes that they've had. So we're giving in some ways a blueprint to how to do some of that anti-racist work and so that schools and curriculum committees can take some of the content from the journal and put it in their coursework because it is really uh, a standard of research and of dialogue and of voices that should be included in the coursework. And so we become part of the solution just by virtue of the fact researchers around the country, PhD students, and, and now there's access to it, schools and organizations would um, take subscription. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsor. Share your thoughts, please, on, on that, uh, Dr. Wilson, about the way that universities and students, non-BIPOC, are uh, reacting to the journal and, and its different approach to looking at uh, a story that's been told to one-sided for a long time now. What, what, what has your experience been, Dr. Wilson? Absolutely right. It has been um, too one-sided for a long time. And uh, while I know that it's a struggle for the you know non-BIPOC professionals to um, absorb, where we are at Morgan, we have, um, you know, it's an HBCU. And mm-hmm. the, the, the atmosphere there is one more of pride and relief, you know, that, okay, now we have something that makes sense to us. Now we have something that is, you know, highlighting the issues that we know are important. We have something that is a accepted professional platform to advance the kinds of programs and services that we know are headed in the direction that we need to see happen. Uh, we had mentioned earlier that we do have authors who are very highly respected in the field, as well as new authors and, and students. But we also have an editorial board made up of exceptional professionals, um, very, very well-respected professionals in the field. And when we were first deciding how we would reach out and invite, you know, some of the people that we have on our editorial board is we thought, well, we'll shoot for the stars and see what happens. <laughs> and we invited, you know, people who, you know, we just had no idea, you know, whether they would, you know, accept. But when, upon reading our description of what it is that we wanted to do with this journal, we were blown away by the acceptances that we received, you know, from um, people in, we, we targeted um, people from different geographic um, parts of the country, only, you know, representing urban centers. And we were really um, excited and pleased to have, um, you know, these uh, respected scholars who were saying, yes, this is the direction that we need to be moving in. And I'm on board with it. And so they are helping to, um, you know, to, to give 
credibility and credence and actually coaching sometimes, you know, some of the authors of the articles in, you know, making sure that what we have is, you know, a a smooth output of really important um, scholarly work. Mm -hmm. And I was just uh, looking at the inside cover of one of the, uh, the editions, uh, which, uh, Dr. Williams Gray was nice enough to send me um, quite a few different editions. And and I see a wide variety of various different uh, um, members of the editorial board. Um, And I saw down at the bottom, uh, Mr. Darrell Wheeler from the University of Albany, who uh, at one time was the president of the uh, NASW. So I'm very excited to see that you, you know, you've reached out across the board and had so many uh, distinguished individuals contributing. So another question myself and, and, and probably a lot of listeners would um, be interested in knowing uh, the whole process of choosing articles. So I'd like to start with you, Dr. Williams Gray, and explain a little bit about how articles are chosen. And then I would like to have, hear input from um, both you, Dr. Wilson and Dr. Mazza on that topic. How, how do you choose which articles get featured? Sure. So we, you know, uh, Springer is a very uh, sophisticated publishing organization and they have sort of a website set up typical of, of many of the journals that are in the profession. So someone could submit a manuscript and on the inside cover of our journal, we give instructions on the kinds of things that um, writers should consider in terms of size and scope and, and aim. We have had already two special issue journals. So those issues were specific to that. We did one on um, the historically black colleges and, and, Hispanic-serving institutions, of which Lehman is is one. Mm -hmm. And we're currently working on a special issue around uh, social justice, particularly on the heels of this um, horrific, challenging year we've had with COVID and the racial unrest and, and, and the political unrest. So when articles come in, they are given to one of of the four of us. We review the article and determine which of our which of our editorial board or other reviewers should have the a similar uh, skill set and field of practice set so that a reviewer who reads it will be able to really look at the idiosyncrasies of what has been written in terms of is the literature the most current and up-to-date? Are they using seminal work or are they using newer works and or are they balancing that out? It does the methodology make sense? Is the is the writing clear? Uh, are the goals and objectives of what the authors attempting to say do they do they meet that goal? Does, does their abstract match what they say they're going to do? Mm. So we typically pick two reviewers per article, and there's a time frame. And when the articles come back, the reviewers have either determined that they are needing minor revisions, needing major revisions, they're not acceptable or they're acceptable as is. Um, the, the By and large, articles need some revision. And we've thought of the experiences we've had personally and how um, unkind and how much of a gated community attitude some journals have had towards writers. And we wanted folks to be able to get critical feedback in a way that's useful Mm. to developing their article to bring it up to standard. Mm -hmm. And so we review what the reviewers say. 
and then make a decision as to whether it needs to be revised or whether it's not appropriate for our journal. And we give very specific feedback. I've I've been um, moved by how folks have been receiving that information. I've had people send us send me back a note saying thank you for the feedback and, and that from the editors and and I was able to address the issues. And then we look to see if that's been done, and if so, we make a decision to accept the article. So so one of the things that I picked up from what you just said is that the four of you review what the reviewers reviewed. Got it. There's a a very detailed process of reading it, selecting the reviewers, reading what the reviewers have said, sending it back to the author, getting the response, and then making a determination. So it, it it is a process, and you want a rigorous process because it's, it's a publication. Yes, absolutely. So, so Dr. Wilson, on that same point, so how, how is that done with, with you and your um, three colleagues with the type of encouragement that would, you know, obviously if someone submits an article and it's, it's not accepted, but, you know, you want them to go back and work on it to make it better so that it can be acceptable. How is that done with kindness? I'll put it that way. We do make it a priority to do that with kindness. And, and like uh, Dr. Williams Gray said, it's more than likely articles aren't often re- rejected outright. We will offer them um, a chance to do either minor or major revisions to it. And we'll say um, this is a very important topic. Um, you know, I, I can we can see where, you know, this has a place. In the um, in the scholarly literature, however, try to um, give us some more current background information. It looks like you know some of you, a lot of your research is dated. It's more than seven years old, five years old. You know, or we'll we'll give them specific feedback that is meant to be constructive, mm-hmm. you know, more so than, oh, you clearly don't have an understanding of research. You know, there, there isn't an, a plan to, you know, put down any prospective author, but instead to, to try to um, help them to um, fit their, um, you know, their vision of what they're trying to say into, um, you know, the, the parameters of you know, what we can publish in, in the journal. And um, my experience has been similar that um, I've had authors say, thank you so much for this feedback. We uh, we think that our article is stronger, um, you know, as we're resubmitting it and we've addressed this and we've addressed that. So that is the, uh, the idea. Mm-hmm. We also uh, made a conscious decision to not um, have each journal focus on any particular one topic that it's um, often you'll see articles on different areas of urban social work in the same journal rather than all child welfare related or all returning citizens related unless it's a special issue but instead we wanted the journal to reflect what's going on currently in the world so we expect you know over this next year um, that our social justice special issue will be one that very much reflects you know um what's been happening um, in our, you know, social justice lens in the world, right, right in our journey. Yes. Dr. Mazza, when looking at an article that is being considered for the journal, 
And just kind of building on, you know, the comments that your colleagues just made. In your opinion, what have you found to be the most effective in in letting the author or the submitter um, walk away feeling encouraged and motivated as opposed to defeated? That's a very good question. There are very well-established fortunes that someone can submit a manuscript and it would take at least a year to get feedback from. And if it, even if it's accepted, it will take another year before it was published. Uh, we are very, very conscious about that. And we have a very tight timeline to get back to people. Well, uh, we all have been, many of our articles come from academics. Many come from young academics trying to get tenure. Mm. And one of the things you have to get tenure is to publish. Yes, publish and or if a journal, And if you submit an, a manuscript to one journal, you cannot do anything with that manuscript until that journal makes a decision. Mm. And if it's going to take a year for that journal to make a decision, you're stuck. Yeah. We're very, very conscious about that. If we get back very quickly, I don't know any other journal um, gets back to the authors as quickly as we do. And we have all, I'm talking for myself, but I'm sure to my colleagues, particularly early in your career, you submit something and you know it's not the best thing you could do, but you have pressure for tenure and stuff. And you get back really mean spirited feedback and you end up questioning yourself. That, that's not what we do. That's not what social workers are supposed to do. Exactly. We're supposed to be strength-based. Mm-hmm. And in our reviews, we're strength-based. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Mr. Kelly, something we didn't say, that the reviews are blind reviews. So the reviewers don't know right. whose articles they're reviewing. It really, We really hold a high bar in, in terms of the peer review process. The other thing is we take turns writing an editorial. And Dr. Wilson just submitted the editorial for our next issue which was, I have to say, one of the best that we've, we've had. And we, we often look at what's going on and what, what the articles are to frame the whole journal. And, and the last thing is that when we have the opportunity, we also do book reviews of books in the field that really speak to issues in an urban environment so that uh, academics and scholars know what, what else is out there. So we, we try to balance our editorial, our book reviews, and our five, approximately five articles in, in each issue so that the, the journal has sort of a, a consistent structure. Okay, thank you for that, uh, which kind of leads me to the next question and that was kind of percolating in my brain. How many times a year is the journal published? And I'll throw that out to Dr. Mazza. You can talk about it, and then then you can I can ask Dr. Wilson and Dr. William Gray. How do you decide? And is there more journals published in one year than the next? So enlighten our listeners to that. To be quite honest, Dr. William Gray is the expert on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, um, I would say the expert, but I, I well, take uh, a shot at it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, in, <laughs> in, in in our first year. Our our liaison at the at Springer said first year you start with two and mm. that's what we did. Okay. Um, and then and, but our goal was to move up to three issues a year. So in our first year we had two issues and then we did move up to three issues a year. 
Uh, last year was a, an interesting year with everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. So last year we had two, and now we're back up to three for this year and three, four next year. Okay. So our, our goal is to maintain the, the three issues a year. Oh, okay. So uh, three and, issues and, per yeah. year. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, we have worked really hard with the New York Community Trust to help uh, with the funding of the journal. They've, they've been fabulous in their commitment to realizing that the journal would need startup time mm-hmm. before the subscriptions would take over, before universities would know, stock this in your libraries and, and, and make it available. So they've, they've worked with us over the five years for funding, and each year we've been very specific as to how many issues we were going to produce, and, and the grant has been really helpful in supporting that. So we're on course to continue of the three We've been tinkering with again the idea of a special issue um, each year. Okay, and that, that's uh, I'm glad that you brought that point up because I was again just sitting here. You know, they say great minds think alike, so you know, hopefully, I'm trying to catch up with all of you because I was just sitting here thinking about asking. Well, you know, New York Community Trust is you know major funding sponsor. What interested them? What attracted them to the journal? And I'll just ask each of you if you could give your own viewpoint, what you believe attracted New York Community Trust to the journal in such a way that they uh, would be such a strong financial supporter. Uh, I'll start with you, Dr. Mazur. I'm going to suggest that Professor Maza start with that one because he was the one who was smart enough to figure out that that's who we should speak to. Okay. And uh, and I was going to say, I was going to um, um, defer back to Dr. Maza because he, he kicked it back to you, so I want to give him another chance. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, what really attracted New York Community Trust was two things. One, when they realized there was no such thing as an urban social work journal in the United States. Mm. Um, and they wanted to do something about that. The other part had to do with our schools at the time. Morgan State a historic black college and Lehman College, which is a federally designated Hispanic serving institution, wanted to do this together. Mm -hmm. And our New York Community Trust thought that that was a beautiful marriage, that Mm -hmm. they couldn't ask for two other institutions to come together for this. Wonderful, wonderful. I think that they they saw the... uh, potential and knew that it was something that was needed and it's it was an idea whose time has come so i think that's great uh dr wilson um with the you know support that the journal has gotten from new york community trust how has that enabled the the four of you to to really expand you know what it is that that you do each year and to have you know greater visions for the future oh it's really given us a comfort zone to get established and to get started uh, really, even though we're already entering our fifth year, we're still considered babies, <laughs> you know, um, by, you know, in the publications world in terms of, you know, the, you know, how long we've, we've been in existence. And so we've been learning and, you know, as we've been doing. So it really allowed us to, to get started with Springer Publications and to put out, you know, this professional journal um, running, hitting the ground running. We are working now toward, you know, being planning and working toward being self-sustaining. We would love to have all of your listeners 
to get subscriptions to the uh, to the journal and have their employers subscribe and their colleges and universities subscribe, both the social work schools and the libraries in the schools, because, um, you know, that will really help us to continue and sustain. There are subscriptions available for the paper version as well as the online version. Okay. And uh, looking look, looking at the inside cover, I'm I see... I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I, I see that... Uh, my alma mater is, is is very prominently represented on the editorial board, and that's at Delphi University. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to see that, and also I'm a a, a proud uh, CUNY grad from Brooklyn College. That's that's where I studied my broadcast journalism. So, uh, but uh, it, as we get ready to, to to bring this to 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 a close, um, I, I'd like for each of you to. Uh, and I'll start with uh, Dr. Mazin and then go to, to, to Dr. Wilson and then Dr. Williams Gray. Each of you just um, s- say what you see as your hope for uh, the long term future of this journal as it relates to the impact that it could have. So I want you to leave our listeners with what you see this journal doing in the long term as far as impact. Dr. Mazin. I think there's several things. One is helping to produce a new generation of social work scholars, writers, heirs, and not just a new generation, but also the present generation to positively influence more sense of social justice in our world. I think all professions, I don't think social work is excluded from that, that sometimes get comfortable and get complacent. And I, I personally would like to see social work urban social work be an instrument for change mm-hmm. and for justice. Thank Dr. Wilson, what you see an impact. I very much agree with uh, what Dr. Maz was saying. Um, right now, after um, a year of enduring this pandemic and, and having all of the social justice issues exploding all around us, um, and then having you know, seeing real advocacy in real time um, with the Black Lives Matter demonstrations and um, calling into question, you know, the established ways of providing, you know, services and, and all in our profession. It is currently appropriate and timely for us to be questioning how we are currently um, crafting and developing our policies and implementing them. Um, And in order to move them to a more socially just framework, um, the advocates need to have, you know, some scholarly work to, um, you know, to to start from, to, to build a base from, a theoretical base, research base, all of that. And we can work in partnership, you know, um, toward that, area of social justice work. So, you know, I think that um, my hope is very much the same, um, that we will have an impact on um, making positive change, not only uh, for the, the, um, the people that are served by social workers, but to um, help as a profession, as a social work profession. Okay, thank you. Dr. Williams, great. My two colleagues said it perfectly. Um, I think the only thing that I would add is that journals survive because they have an impact factor, mm-hmm. which means that other people begin 
to cite the work that's in your journal and that the subscriptions um, increase. And to me, that would mean that the voices of the researchers were starting to resonate um, with the world. And I think that our journal um, really speaks to an anti-racist environment. And it doesn't only speak to black folks and people of color. It speaks to the needs that we have in this country, in urban environments, across many fields of practice and, and, and research agendas. So I'm hoping that it will become sustainable so that more workers and researchers will have a place where their work is valued and heard and nurtured and so that others can use it and and as as both Dana and Paul said and change the way social work is done. Okay. Well, thank you. And we're going to end it right there on that note. Uh, I want to thank um, the three of you for coming on the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Uh, we've been highlighting today uh, for all our listeners the Urban Social Work Journal uh, we have with us today. And we've had a wonderful discussion with three of the co-editors of the journal. Um, and that's uh, Dr. Carl Mazza. Um, Dr. Dana Birdnell Wilson and Dr. Brenda Williams Gray. I want to thank all three of you for coming on the show and enlightening our listeners and myself to this wonderful journal. And I wish you all the very best in uh, moving the journal forward and making it a uh, must read in all colleges, universities and libraries in general. So thank you all for coming on to the Kelston on the Air Social Work Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is Silas, your e-journalism social work advocate and host of the show. You've been listening to the Kelson on the Air Social Work Podcast. This and all other programs are available on the Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Anchor podcast platforms. Go to any search engine and type in Kelson on the Air in the search window to hear this show in its entirety. Thank you for tuning in. This has been a Kelson Communications production.